Alright 9.05pm June 3rd Yesterday was my birthday It was a good birthday man I didn't I didn't record I didn't do anything yesterday So if you Listen to the podcast You can always listen to rebroadcast But I didn't do anything yesterday What's happening man We um Shout out to everybody that's out there That's tuning in We now We're now on iHeartRadio Which is a big step that's, that's big. We made it to iHeartRadio. So um, a lot of people that might not understand. A lot of people might not understand that last year, around this time, I told dudes what was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? I gave dudes like a, basically I walked them through. I, I guided everybody with me. You know what I'm saying? If you was with me during the journey, you know. So now we on iHeartRadio. We popping. We a big fucking deal now, dog. Instagram is really like nothing, really. It's not impressing me, but I'm here. I do it for the Instagrammers. I I, I put I save my live videos so people can see. But let's get into it, man. We talking today about I I want to talk about Drew Brees, right? Because Drew Brees, I don't want to give him too much attention, but I'm gonna let like like. Drew Brees, we're going to talk about a little bit of Drew Brees. We're going to talk about Sir Charles Barkley, the round mound rebound. We're going to talk about some Fab. We're going to talk Fab. Talk about Fab's music career, some of his best bodies of work. Um, who would you like to see Fab work, work with? You know what I'm saying? Who would you like to see Fab work with and stuff like that? But like I said, let's set it off, man. We still in the midst of all these like riots and this chaos going on. I don't know. I know everybody got different views on this thing. You know what I'm saying? So in the midst of all this, Drew Brees says what he has to say about people taking a knee and doing whatever they was doing. But look, we can, we, right now, Drew Brees, what he was doing, he was a distraction. He was being a distraction. You know what I'm saying? Drew Brees was trying to throw a curveball. Because Drew Brees took a knee during some of those games. So he lied. Basically, right there. Boom. So I really wouldn't pay Drew Brees any attention. I wouldn't pay him no mind. As far as what he just said, you know, he's a dickhead. You know what I'm saying? He's he's trying to reach out. You know what I mean? The boy, he donates money. He does all this for the community and shit. But then you say something like that when you know we're in a situation right now where it's very sensitive. You know what I'm saying? You got to be careful what you say because people like right now, they're not trying to hear none of that shit. They're not trying to hear what you talking about like, so what your family fought in the war? You know what I'm saying? So what? Who gives a fuck? You know, it's people it's people like him. Like he's just basically like really clout chasing like a motherfucker. Like he know that now what now? What you gonna do now? Apologize after all that shit? You said it. Now you're gonna apologize. See, that's what these guys get away with. So we can't so if he ever says, I'm sorry, we gotta be like, fuck you. You know, keep your apologies over there. We don't want your apologies. You said it already. Damage done. But we can, like I said, we can agree to disagree. That's how you treat a dude like Drew Brees. You agree to disagree. You don't even fuck with him. 
You know what I'm saying? A lot, a lot of athletes are really upset. Like um, Malcolm Jenkins told him to just shut the fuck up. You know, um, LeBron James was tight. It's a lot of motherfuckers that's mad. It's easy to get mad at him. But what I'm saying is, you got to expect shit like that from guys like him. You got to expect shit like that from guys like him. And not saying because he's white. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of white people are taking a knee. You know what I'm saying? A lot of white people are marching in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the protests. They for it. I'm talking about athletes now, not regular citizens. But him, you can look at him and tell, nah, yeah, all right, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I understand where you're coming from, Drew. You know what I'm saying? He's a bitch. You know what I mean? That's basically it, bottom line. So fuck Drew Brees. You know what I'm saying? I hope the Saints don't never go to the playoffs. I'm glad y'all always choking. And every time y'all go to the fucking playoffs, y'all lose. Because Drew Brees ain't shit. His mind is fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can play on the field, but you can't win big games, dickhead. Now, let's talk about this dude, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, one of my favorite players. Like, he just gave it his all on the court. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people got their thing where they could shit on Charles Barkley. They might say, Charles Barkley this, and Charles Barkley all. He does this and he said, but Charles Barkley is one of these people that speaks his mind. You know, Charles Barkley going to speak his mind. He's going to tell you how it is. Now, with that being said, Charles Barkley's attitude reflects his play on the court. His attitude reflects his play. He has a fucking crazy attitude. So when he's on that basketball court, it actually matches his personality. His game matches his personality. He's a fucking dog out there. You know what I'm saying? And I and I'm to be honest with you, one of these podcasts we're gonna talk about players that one of these podcasts we're gonna be talking about players that we wanted to see win a ring. Charles Barkley is one of them players that I can say, listen, dude, he needed a ring. You know, he needed a ring. Damn fucking right. Yeah, Barkley was just a beast, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this ball could take you from the top of the key to the back, to the down to the bottom. He could go baseline. He could go from... If you don't want him, see him in the paint. Because he's going to elbow the shit out of your ribs. is going to be like fucking marshmallows when he's done with you. Like, he's going to tear you up in the paint. So, so um, when you see when you see guys like Barkley, and I'm about to get into his accomplishments in the NBA. When you see guys like Barkley, like back in the days, you got to look at him like he was an abnormal basketball player because the average size wasn't his size. You know what I'm saying? He was small. He was playing out of position. So Barkley, through his career, he averaged 22.1 points per game. 11.7 rebounds per game, 3.9 assists. He was an 11-time All-Star. He played with the Sixers, Suns, and Rockets. He was a Hall of Famer in 2006. All-Rookie Team, 84 and 85. And he was the MVP All-Star in 90 to 91. 
of the All Star game. He was the MVP, and then he was the he was the seat the league MVP in 92, 93. He was six foot four. He was very small, but he was round and he could jump and he could shoot. He could score. He could do whatever he wanted to do on that basketball court. And when it when I seen Barkley when he went to Phoenix. So he goes to Phoenix, and he took them guys to the championship. And one of the reasons why I'm talking about Charles Barkley is because I watched that um, Chicago documentary. And I watched Charles Barkley. And Charles Barkley, and I'm talking about that team he was on. Richard Dumas. Kevin Johnson. Thunder Dan Marley. Charles Barkley. And then you got these guys, like, these guys were straight rolling. And you're right, that's the size of a point guard right now. That's the size of a guard right now. Think about it. LeBron James could play the two guard. He's a small forward. Charles Barkley was a small forward at six foot four. That Phoenix Suns team was so crazy. I wanted to see them win a championship that year. They lost to Michael Jordan. And the Bulls, and the refs. I think I really think I really I'm really like one of those basketball people. I look at the game a little deeper. I think the Bulls had the refs on their side. Not to mention they had one of the greatest basketball players of all time on the court. You know, like the refs helped them out plenty times. The refs helped the Bulls win plenty championships, man. But that was one championship I ain't want them to help them win. That Phoenix Suns basketball team was fucking crazy. You know, see, we got a chance to see Richard Dumas, a rookie. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't remember him, but he was a rookie. And he was just straight wreaking havoc. You know, every year you got that rookie... That, right, him, Oliver. He was a dead motherfucker. I didn't even remember. I, it's hard. It's hard to believe I forgot about him. From um, Arkansas. From Arkansas. Yeah, the Razorbacks. Todd Day, Lee Mayberry, and Oliver. Yeah, it's it's just like I look at that game and I'm like, man, come on, man. Charles Barkley and them Bulls was supposed to win. They were supposed to win. You had to give them. A chance. See, when he got to Houston, I said, damn, this might be something crazy. Because they were trying to do something special in Houston. They put him with Clyde. They put him with Elijah Wan. Um, they put him with all the motherfuckers that was, like, balling. They was, like, they was really balling. So when you see them guys in Houston, you just like, man, you knew he was going to win a ring. You knew he was going to win a championship, but he did. You know, Chuck, Chuck fell short of them rings, man. Chuck fell short of them rings, man. I would have loved to see him stay in Philly for his whole career, but shit just happens. Like, Philadelphia is one of the dumbest franchises in NBA history, to be honest with you. You don't give away, you don't give away your talent like that. You know what I'm saying? For Armand Gilliam and all them motherfuckers and shit. You know what I'm saying? You just don't trade away. You don't trade away people like that. You work with them. 
and try to figure out what they want, man, so you guys can be contenders for a long time. For a long time. I miss basketball. They're having this new format. They're having this new format in the NBA. I didn't look too much into it. But the teams will be playing down in Orlando. And um, I guess they'll be playing within the middle of a fall. Going into October. Yeah, like how could you do something like that? Why would you even think about trading the doctor? You know what I'm saying? He's the reason why you're... He, he basically built that city. You know what I mean? He built that city. And you think about like the, like a person... Dr. J was charismatic. He had game. He come into Philly. He took them motherfuckers to war. You know, if it wasn't for Dr. J, the if it wasn't for Dr. J coming to Philly, they wouldn't have won no championship. You see, they couldn't have won the championship without the doc. And um, Moses Malone and all them dudes, the team that they assembled, like they they built a they built they built something there. But they had a hard time just getting back. They had a very hard time getting back. You know, even, even though, um, you know, because while they built their team, it took them so long to build their team, teams like the Lakers were just coming in building. And then you got guys like, like Bird and the Celtics, they were, like, really building. Like, really building that, right? At that point in time, they were building. They were trying to, like, build legacies. You know what I mean? And then you got after them, you know what I'm saying? Because the Lakers and Celtics basically ran the NBA in the 80s. And then you got the Detroit Pistons caught them at the end of the, 90, at the, end of the 80s to the 90s. Detroit came along with their little squad. But the Sixers was always in, like, the background. You know, they weren't really no contenders after that championship in the 80s. You know what I mean? They were, they were, they had a good team, but they didn't have a team like the, the Celtics. You think about a team like the Celtics, the Celtics had everybody. All five positions was good. You got a team that got all five positions and a bench, you, you damn near going to win every year. You're never going to lose. Unless you lose to a team that looks like yours. That's why they only kept playing the Lakers and Celtics. They kept losing to the team that resembled them. But just had more flash and flair and swagger. You know, because the Lakers definitely had that swagger. And Boston was just like a bunch of fucking Ivy League guys that run around in circles and shit. But they beat you. They hand you the game. Like, I'm watching the, I'm watching the, um, the documentary... And Bird was talking about how Michael Jordan came out there and was busting their ass and just was nonstop. But Bird was like, shit, we end up winning the game. That's the bottom line. They won the game. You know, you can't beat a team like that with one person. You know, Magic couldn't single-handedly beat the fucking... um. Boston Celtics. Magic couldn't single... Now, you could single-handedly beat a team like the Clippers by yourself. Or you could beat a team like the Washington Bullets at the time by yourself. But you're not beating 
a team like Boston by yourself, one person. Only thing you're going to do is score 60 points. Now, what the rest of your team going to do? You know, so you put up all them numbers, but what the rest of the team do? They ain't do shit. They ain't do nothing. See, they ain't do nothing because they got them positions. Boston had all skill positions. They had everybody. Robert Parrish. Kevin McHale. Bill Walton. Larry Bird. Dennis Johnson. You know what I'm saying? Like, did I say Danny Ainge? They got all these players, you know what I'm saying, that that are just know how to play that at their position. Then you got the Bulls with Michael Jordan. He was the only person that was confident enough to in his game to score. Now, when you got, you break it down on the West Coast, like, and... You got Magic Johnson running the point. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at center. That's all you need, really. You got James Worthy. Everything else is starting to become like too much. James Worthy. You got Byron Scott. You got all of these other guys. You got guys like A.C. Green. You know what I'm saying? You got these motherfuckers might sound corny, but they play basketball. You got Kurt Rambis. You know what I'm saying? These dudes play their position. They play defense. They grab rebounds. They ain't worried about scoring because the scorers score and the hus and the and the and the hustle players hustle. You know what I'm saying? Like guys like Vinny Johnson on Detroit, Joe Dumars. You know what I mean? You put guys like Joe Dumars. You know what I mean? They had so much confidence in him. They made him guard Michael Jordan. That's what type of player he was. They said, "Yo, you gotta guard MJ." You look at that shit on paper, you'd be like, nah, Mike gonna bust this young boy ass. But when Mike got on that court, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy as he thought it would be. And that motherfucker Kurt Rambis was a problem, man. That motherfucker would elbow you. He would like, you know what I'm saying? He's like the wild white boy, you know what I'm saying? Like a Bill Lane Beer, but he wasn't Bill Lane Beer. But he was Kurt Rambis. You know what I'm saying? He had his own identity. Goggles and headbands. You know what I'm saying? He out there scrapping and playing. That's what I'm saying, that you had to build a team like that around guys like Charles Barkley. You don't have a player like Charles Barkley and not win. It's just that simple. You don't have a player like Barkley on your team and not win. It's like when the Sixers had Allen Iverson, the Sixers treated Allen Iverson like Charles Barkley. They gave Allen Iverson a bunch of shit to play with. You know what I mean? They gave Allen Iverson um, fucking Matt Geiger, Dikembe Mutombo, George Lynch, Aaron McKee. And I'm talking about this is not the Portland Trailblazer Aaron McKee. This is Aaron McKee. You know what I mean? This is the Philly Aaron McKee. This is not the Aaron McKee that came from Portland. Maybe he was balling with Rod Strickland and them boys. You know what I'm saying? Because people, I don't think they remember that Aaron McKee didn't start out with the Sixers. Aaron McKee, you know, people basketball, I don't go that far back. Aaron McKee was playing with another team. Guys like Tyrone Hill. 
Like, how do you build... How do you even try... Like, Allen obviously played with Derek Coleman. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you try to build a team around somebody that's clearly a superstar with C-list players? These Allen Iverson never had an A or B-list basketball player. He had C and D players. He ran, and you know, and you could let Allen Iverson tell it. I know he'd be like, yo, that's my squad. I feel my brothers. I love my brothers. I win the war with them. But you know deep down if Allen Iverson's at a poker table with a bunch of his dudes, he probably going to be like, I played with some of the worst players in the NBA fucking A. You know, because he fucking did. He didn't play with no good players. Larry Hughes, like these, the idea of these players were okay. Um, Lou Williams, you know what I mean? He didn't, you let him play with a Lou Williams now, he'll probably bust some, he'd probably tear something down. But he was playing with a Lou Williams that wasn't even groomed yet. He was just, Lou Williams was raw talent. He wasn't skilled at anything. He was just raw high school talent, just coming in the league, just shaking and baking. You know, college, whatever he came from. But the Sixers, the Philadelphia franchise, they don't care about winning championships. They care about filling seats and doing whatever they got to do. Like, look at it now, right? Right now, they got a very good basketball team, but they still have flaws that they can't fix. You know, you got a guy like Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is like is like a is like a super good basketball player, but Ben Simmons will not be a leader on that basketball team because it's like he's scared. It's almost like he's a deer in headlights, you know. And when you got guys like Joel Embiid, you build around Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is clearly the the the, the player on that team. You know, when you got a guy like Joel Embiid on your team, Joel Embiid should be your franchise. Not Ben Simmons, not Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris right now is a role player. But what I like about Tobias Harris is he knows his role. So when you got a guy like Tobias Harris in the game, he's going to give you what he's supposed to give you. About 15 but his his game his game doesn't doesn't depend he, he doesn't depend on scoring too much but when he's open you better hold him cuz he's going to nail that shit you know see when you you don't want to see Tobias Harris in the corner or the, in the corner cuz that's his shot he going to throw a rainbow that shit going to float right on in you going to wish you put a hand in his face but see now when you got him and um Ben Simmons, they should be able to play really good together. But it's not Tobias Harris. It's not the cancer in this shit. It's Ben Simmons. It's Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has to know how to be, like I said, he has to know how to lead the team. He has to know how to be a point guard. He can pass the ball. He can give you some good passes. But I'm talking down the stretch basketball. He has to have 
that Jimmy Butler attitude. See, when they had Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler basically put them. He get he 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 put them in the driver's seat to be successful. They were gonna be a good team. All they had to do was get a find a way to sign him, but they didn't want him. They let him go. And JJ Reddick. You see, Jimmy Butler and JJ Reddick are two guys you need to keep on that team. Now you got a bunch of dysfunction, locker room turmoil. You got all types of shit going on over there in Philly. So it's going to be hard to see. And shout out to everybody that's listening from Philly. It's going to be hard to see the Sixers win something within the next two, three years. I think the Sixers are probably either branch off from that team. They're going to start in with Ben Simmons. They're going to let Ben Simmons go. They're going to probably figure out a way to trade Tobias Harris. They're going to break that team up slowly but surely. And they're going to leave Joel Embiid in the middle. And Joel Embiid, to be honest with you, he's the man you want to build your team around, but you don't want to destroy a franchise too quick. Just talk to your point guard, Ben Simmons. Talk to Ben Simmons. Try to get Ben Simmons head into the game. Try to get him to be like serious about the basketball about the game of basketball. And um you might be alright. You know, you might be okay. You might be okay in Philly. Shout out to everybody that's out there missing basketball like me, because I miss basketball. That's why we're talking about players and we're giving you like a rundown on players every every day. Every podcast, like today, we talked about Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley is, in my eyes, one of the one of the, I gotta say, one of the greatest at his position. Small forward, six foot four, small forward. You know what I'm saying? I like like I gave you guys stats earlier. Eleven point seven rebounds for your career average. And I broke down the way people get rebounds. He had to give you at least 15 rebounds a game in order to get an 11. I mean, well, in order to get 11 and a half average. He had to give you above 12 a game. You know what I'm saying? Anything below 10 is not a double figures average. So he had to give you at least 12 a game. 12 to 15 a game to get that 11.7 rebound average. Then he turned around and averaged 3.9 assists. So he's giving you at least five assists a game. Because 3.9 was after 9-10. That's almost four assists a game. So he's giving you five assists every game. So an assist, people know what an assist is. You pass the ball to somebody, they score. That's an assist. So Charles Barkley averaged that's eight points right there. Tacked on to his 22-point average. That's 30 a game he damn near got you. Barkley was a problem. He wasn't no joke. He was not to be slept on. Barkley was a fucking problem. He was a, he was a big deal. He had a beautiful career. Just couldn't get a ring. We're not going to let that ring define us, define him as a player because he was in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame 
is probably worth more than any championship ring. Because the Hall of Fame is you're known now. You're amongst the greatest of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame. The NBA Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? They gave, sta- they gave Barkley a statue in Philadelphia, a little mini statue, down at the Sixers practice facility over in Camden. So Barkley has a little statue. Shout out to Charles Barkley, man. Shout out to Chuck, man. Much love. I'm going to tell y'all a quick story before I start talking about Fab real quick. Um, my dad took me when I was young. We used to always go to, like, the Sixer camps and watch the Sixers, and we'd go to the Knicks camps. We'd do, like, all this shit, basketball, get autographs and shit. So um, me and my little brother, me and my younger brother, we seen Charles Barkley all the way up in the rafters. So he just sitting, watching the talent. This is the year the Sixers had drafted, I think his name is Kenny Payne. I think that's his name from out of Temple. Um... Sixers that drafted him, light skinned guy. He was supposed to be good. So we um we sitting and we see Charles Barkley and we sneaking up to see Charles Barkley. We sneaking up, inching up, and Charles Barkley looked at me. He said, "You gonna give me the paper or what?" And I gave him the paper. He signed my autograph. I was probably like about fourteen, something like that. Probably younger than that. But yeah, I seen Charles Barkley a couple times. And, um, it was not as a grown man I didn't see him, but as a young kid I seen him. You know what I mean? But yeah, shout out to Charles Barkley, man. He's a good dude. Um recently Fab dropped Summertime Shootout, the third edition. I liked it. I put down a couple of my um you know what I'm saying, some of my fab shit. I like all the summertime shootouts, one, two, and three. I like the soul tape one and two. I love the young OG project. Right, I'm a big fan of the Young OG project because the beats was good. His lyrics is always, you know, what I'm saying he never really lets you down when it comes to lyrics, you know. And that's one thing a lot of these rappers do. A lot of these rappers aren't consistent. They aren't too consistent when it comes to their music. They give you something. And yeah, the soul tape probably was 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 fire. It, it was fire. I love the soul tape. They give you this music, but they don't give you like the follow up. They don't keep up with the lyrics. Usually, they like add like a bunch of features on their shit, and you just like, oh man, it ain't the same artist that I grew up listening to. But this boy Fab been putting it down on the same level for years. I mean. Right, yeah, you know what I'm saying, um, and I'm just looking at it like he he never he doesn't get he doesn't go bad, he doesn't go bad, you know some rappers they go bad, they expire fast, but the young boy never expired, like they said in the in the instagram live twenty three years of doing his job, putting out music. And just giving people what they want, you know, like giving people the the sound that they want to hear. He never turned, he never sound like nobody else. He only got, he got his own style. 
You know what I'm saying? I remember when, like, when he started with Clue and Joe Buttons and Ransom and all them guys. And Clue was building this little thing, this Desert Storm movement. And Fab was the face of that. And I'm talking about he was holding it down. So, you know what I mean? It was like DJ Clue had a bunch of um, lyricists around him. So it's like you had to be good around these guys. Because I'm talking about, we're not talking about Joe Buttons, Slaughterhouse Joe Buttons. We're talking about Desert Storm Joe Buttons. Right. Yeah, we're talking about Desert Storm Joe Buttons. And um, he does have potential. Fab has tons of potential, but who knows? You know, and these are the guys he was going up against. Him and Ransom. And just listening to those mixtapes back in the days. It was just like, man, you know what I mean? Right, it was the face of the street team. Shout out to everybody that's going to be listening to this on iHeartRadio. If you hear me talking and reading and responding, Paul Kane is another one. How can I forget him? I'm responding to my Instagram live. You know, um, I always do my Instagram live and I record the podcast at the same time. So if you're listening to the podcast later on and you get confused or you think I'm doing something weird weird or crazy, no, it's just me talking to Instagram. You know, it's me talking to IG. But shout out to everybody that was down with the street, the street, street fam. You know, Paul Kane was a beast. So, you know what I mean? Paul Kane was a beast. And um, Ransom was a monster. Joe Buttons was was fire. Fab was doing his thing. Then we got we can't forget about Philly Freck. Freck Billionaire. You know, Freck Billionaire was really was really one of those guys that you thought was gonna be on top of his game, but things happen in people's lives, you know, these dudes run around doing certain things and it it sidetracks them. Sidetracked them, you know what I'm saying? So, Freck Billionaire was like one of the hottest that that was down with Desert Storm. In my opinion, Freck was a beast, you know what I'm saying? Philly Freck was getting it in. So, they, yeah, they had a lot of guys surrounding, surrounding Fab. And, um, what I would want to see, what I would want to see more of is I want to see more of more of Fab putting out these mixtapes. I would like to see more of him. I would like to see him get back to his to his grind. You know what I mean? I would love to see Fab get back. Because New York rap, I'm not too happy with it. Even though there's a lot of artists out there. A lot of talented artists out there. Plenty artists out there. But New York rap, I would like to see like guys continue to put out bodies of their bodies of work yeah some of his mixtapes do sound like albums I, I, I would like to see Jadakiss and Styles and Sheik just continue to put music out at a fast rate not, not, not just put an album out and then wait six months and then put a song out drop your shit cause we know you got music we know you got, everybody knows you guys got music. Why are you holding on to it? Just start dropping shit and putting shit out. Let people hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah, this shit might sound dated to you, but to us, we ain't never hear it yet. 
We want to hear it. We want to hear the sound. We want to hear the sound. I was talking about, um, I wanted to talk about hip-hop trends. And we could still talk about Fab, but I'm talking about hip-hop trends. Like, you know, we had, what we got? Mumble rap. We had drill music. We got all of these trends, right? I wanted to talk about what would be the next trend in hip-hop as far as sound goes. Not clothing, not jewelry, but the next trendy sound. Will they ever bring back, will they ever bring back like lyrics and bars where where who who can bring the sound who can bring it back is what I'm saying you know what I mean I think when I heard when I first heard when I first heard hopefully they do when I first heard Dave East right years ago I was listening to Dave East so I'm like, damn, you know what I'm saying? My man was telling me, he's like, yo, you got to fuck this dude named Dave East. You got to check him out. So I, I listened to one of his songs. I said, oh, shit, yeah. Dude got like, he got like a, 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 a um, he got like a flow, a vintage flow. So I was like, damn, man, that might be where rap is going. Rap might be going in that right direction because I was thinking that New York City would be stand behind him and stamp him like, yo, we need this right here. Like, we don't need this to be a, a, a something fast. We need this to be like forever. We need him to bring that sound back. But it's like New York kind of gave up on, on Davies. Right, it's like New York is trying to. It's like New York gave up on them, and maybe it's because, maybe it's because um, his his sound, his story is not interesting anymore. Like like my man just said, he said the same thing. Nas did put him with Def Jam, and I think that's what kind of. I think you know what, I think him dealing with Nas kind of messed him up because Nas is not. Nas is good at rap. He can rap, but his talent selection, he fucks it up all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like think about think about the ball that used to sing the song. When day goes and night falls, I was You know what I'm saying? Nas fucked that ball whole shit up. Because he was nice. He was getting busy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I just don't think that Nas... That's right, Quan. That's his name, Quan. And I don't think Nas had... I don't think Nas knows how to manage artists' careers. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he got on the deal... Excuse me, with Def Jam, but... I just don't think what happened after that. You know what I'm saying? Davies now is in movies and shit. Like he's really not into rap. Like it's like his sound was good. He actually had a good sound for music. He he was challenging other artists to be to have it, to have them have that 
that sound, that style, that New York sound. You know, he was challenging guys. And guys had to, you can't rap like a You couldn't have said, you couldn't rap like that. Now you got to really rap. You got to say shit so people can hear it. You know what I mean? You got to put the words down and you got to figure out the bars got to be right. You know what I mean? Shout out to Davies, though, man. I fucks with Davies, man. But I just want him to, um, I just like, I just, I was like, what makes these guys just stop is what confuses me. Because if you can just stop doing rap just like that, something must not be right with the rap game. You know what I'm saying? For you to just stop, you're supposed to love that. That's your job, right? You're supposed to love and enjoy it. You're supposed to want to keep on making Like rock and roll artists continue to make music until they're in their 60s. So it's like, do they really enjoy rap? Or, or, or do they just like do it and then they get, it just sucks the energy out of them. You know what I mean? Does it suck the energy? Even if they touring, even if you touring, Lil Wayne has a studio on his tour bus. He records every day. He has music. Rick Ross has a tour bus. He has a studio in his tour bus. Meek Mill constantly recording. But it's just hard for him to put out an album right now. But he's always recording something. What I'm saying is, why do these dudes stop recording and stop putting out music? Like, dudes put out so much... You got so much talent. You got so much talent. And then you just say, fuck it, I don't want to do it. So, what's the trend? I'm hoping that it's a good trend in rap coming up. Hoping it's a good trend. I'm hoping the music comes with a message. Just go around. Because we're dealing with all this stuff. We're dealing with all this um corona and the riots and shit. Hopefully the music comes with a message. I think this is a good time for rappers to make another self-destruction. Like the old school rappers. I think it's time for rappers to... This is the perfect time for rappers like J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, Nas, a few other artists you could think of should get together And put together one of them songs that's going to make the world listen. People love hip-hop. People love hip-hop. They love rap music. We really need these rappers to be responsible with their platform. The trend in rap should be everybody uniting and coming together. And you ain't got to rap about 
You don't have to rap about um, saving trees and shit. Motherfucker, you just rap. But have a message behind you, John. Because a lot of dudes, so much, so much time and so much, like, these dudes got egos. You know what I'm saying? We got to hear something like that. I'm talking about J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, Kanye West, Nas, and a couple of, and probably like two other people. Got to have a female on there. All spitting. Talking about some shit. You know, we got to do, we got to figure out how we can do something like that. How we can just tag all of them artists. And one hashtag. Let's say, we need you guys to be the next face of hip-hop. To save this earth and save this world. And just try to, not like, you know what I'm saying? Not like they fucking Captain Planet or some shit. But just make music that people are going to be like, damn, I, I really felt that. really felt that thank you everybody for tuning in it's new wave radio new wave podcast shout out to the new home of new wave podcast iHeartRadio. we appreciate you guys for letting us come through and letting that be our next stop shout out to iHeartRadio. Shout out to Spotify, shout out to Apple, shout out to Google. Everybody that we on, we affiliated with, everybody. Shout out to all of them. If you got an artist, you know, I know I said this before when I ain't even have a platform. But if you got an artist, if you know an artist that wants to be heard, and wants to sit down and do these interviews, and wants to talk, wants to have a real conversation, send them the New Wave podcast and my Sugar Knight voice. Because we here. We here. We on iHeart. We ready. We having fun. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. The day after my birthday. I'm happy. Father's Day's next. Y'all be safe.